start by being like 8.25 network. I need to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Definitely got a little feedback there that they'll get worked out on their end. Uh, we'll let the, the gremlins and the board take care of themselves. Little little buzz there. There it goes. Goes away. It's okay though because it goes with my technical difficulties of the live stream that we have going on. Would you like to explain what happened before? I we so wish you would have left on the shirt because all of a sudden there was just the, the Jason floating head. So and, and our- any any anything going on? I don't know what's going on. And I said, well, "What color is your shirt? Green." Yep. What do you have behind you? A green screen. Yeah. And I'm colorblind and I didn't think about it. And so all of a sudden my head was just floating around on the screen and my body was disappearing. So you yeah. were like a, you were like a Marvel superhero. Look, we're off to a good start here, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It can only go up, right? Well, look, I, what did I say right before the show? We're, we're in what the, our fifth, fifth year. Eventually the intro would go well. Maybe in our 10th year it'll go well. We're gonna get- we, we have something to shoot for. We're going to get this right one day. I'm yeah. going to show up and appear. The intro will go right. We'll, we'll, we'll Your head will to, float around. Yeah, we'll figure out to do ra- how to do radio eventually. Mm-hmm. But we're working on it. We got some good guests coming up today. Drexel men's basketball coach, Zach Spiker, going to join us in a couple minutes. Talk coaches versus cancer, everything else. And then uh, Michael Collins, one of our favorites, ESPN senior golf analyst and Eagles fan, ready to talk golf and football. Big Eagles fan. Big. Bigger Eagles, Eagles fan than you. Probably. Um, what do you mean Probably. Do me a favor. Show me where your Eagle Super Bowl tattoo is. This is true. Definitely. Okay. So he wins. Definitely. Hands down. It's not, there's no debate there. Yeah, he definitely wins. Okay. I'll I'll give you that. Uh, (laughs) I'll give you that. But I I hate to be right, but. About what? We were texting. I told you last week I was worried about that offensive line against the Washington defensive line. And then they went up 17 nothing. And you're texting like, are you tired of being chicken little? And I'm like, no. And then all of a sudden I was texting. I was like, it's a bad thing when they give up six. By the way, that was exactly what I texted you when it was at 17 nothing. No. Is, is, is chick, are you done being chicken little this week? And, no. you wrote, and you wrote back no. And it turns out the sky was falling just at a very slow pace only to be picked up in the second half. Was unfortunately right. We'll get to football in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk NBA basketball for a bit? Uh, some some interesting stuff going on in the finals. Denver eliminates the Clippers. Anybody you, see that coming? No, uh, no, not at all. Uh, are you able to watch the Miami Heat on TV, or does your blood pressure get so high because Jimmy's not here that you just can't take it? You know, because I was ranting to you about this last night and then today that I have had it. There was an article that that went through the way that the Heat have approached this playoffs, uh, how their their goal is to dominate or destroy the bubble or whatever their phrase is, and, and the way that this team has come together. Watching this team is frustrating for so many reasons, the first and foremost because Jimmy Butler is not here, and, and the, the return on Jimmy Butler was not great. Which, they by signed, the way, yeah. that was a choice of this organization. Of course it was a choice. They, they could have okay. signed him and they yeah. chose not. You made that trade with the uh, the goal of signing him. And what is Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler is a closer. Jimmy Butler is a competitor. Jimmy Butler is a pain in the rear end if you're a player, but he is going to push you. And from everything I've heard from interviews with Bam Adebayo, with everybody on the team is that there is a gr- core group of leaders. Nobody messes with them. and And nobody messes with them to the point that Anybody goes to work out, everybody else is there. 
And they have this system that when they communicate with each other, if they have an issue with each other, they just go right at each other in a respectful way, but in a confident way. And they respect each other and they take it to heart and they realize that it is literally all for one and one for all. And that is the opposite of everything we saw and heard, even from the players on the Sixers. There was no chemistry. There was no leadership. And regardless of whatever coach you bring in here, you still are going to have that problem because those players are not going to change that mentality. Well, I, I know you think uh, coaching is a huge part of it and you are a big fan of Eric Spolstra and the Miami Heat. We'll get to that in a second. Other than Popovich, he's the best coach in the NBA. He might now be the best coach in the NBA. Well, let's get to a rising coach in college, college basketball. How about we? What do you think Go about for that? It. Yeah, let's do it. Drexel men's basketball coach, Zach Spiker. How you doing, sir? Thanks so much for the time. Hey, guys, how are you doing today? We are fantastic. Uh, we've been really excited to to get to talk to some of you guys about the efforts that the coaches have with Coaches versus Cancer here in the city. We actually had Coach Donahue on last week. So uh, first question uh, Jeff wants to ask is? So, so, Coach, before we get to the Coaches versus Cancer, it's our understanding that you coached with Coach Donahue, and now you're going to be coaching against him. So it's time to start that rivalry. What tell us a story about <laughs> Coach Donahue? <laughs> well, what, what kind? Of, I mean, we, we worked together for five years. So, what what type of story would you like? I'm kind of like the at a deli, you know. What what do you want? What type of story do you want? He'll, he'll serve up any sandwich you're looking for, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> wants some dirt. He's searching for dirt here. We'll get into the serious no, part no, of the. No, no, no. There's no dirt. There's no <laughs> dirt. Coach Donahue uh, was an incredible mentor, and still is. Uh, to us and our, and our coaching staff coach Paul Portier worked for him as well. And he also coached, uh, Michael Jordan who played at 10 when coach Donnie was an assistant. So there, there's a number of connections to coach Donahue on our staff. And he's been a great, um, friend, mentor, and, uh, learned a lot from him from a basketball standpoint that we're applying here at Drexel that we did it even when we were at army at West point as well. Well, and you obviously had success at places you've been before at Army, at, at Cornell. Um, this is an amazing opportunity for you at Drexel. But let, let's talk a little bit about the coaches versus cancer. We asked Coach Donahue what it meant to him. What does it mean to you to be able to be a part of this and, and to be able to, to help show your players what's really out there and the opportunities that they have, too? Honestly, the, um, the coaches versus cancer program in Philadelphia and, and all the people that have been involved when we went, my wife and I made a decision to stay at Army or come to Drexel, that actually played a part into it because I think that this group is so instrumental in working with the American Cancer Society that we want to be a part of that. And uh, it, it was a decision, not the decision, but it was one of the factors in our decision to, to be in Philadelphia, such great basketball, but also to participate in the Philly Coaches versus Cancer program and impact so many people in and around Philadelphia. What is it like to be part of this coaching fraternity here that is so involved, not just in basketball, but being involved in the community in Philadelphia at large? Well, I mean, we're all coaches, and in the basketball season, what you see on TV and, and throughout the season is us trying to get our team to win. When you're on this team with these coaches – it's all of us standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side, fighting against 
this awful disease of cancer and doing everything we can to raise awareness and money so we can crush this disease. And it's an incredible honor to be a part of it. And they're all great people. In addition to the money raised, you've, you've had players and coaches donate time to different organizations. Can you talk about the impact that it has as you as a leader trying to teach your, your players, uh, these men, about life, what it shows them when they're out there seeing some of the struggles that people are actually having every day? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our program at Drexel, um, we talk a lot about gratitude, respect, and compete. And that falls in the, the category of, of appreciating the opportunity that you have as a student athlete to, to be a Division One basketball player on a scholarship and to accomplish and do some major things that some people never get the chance to do. And to, to show these guys the impact they can have and the platform that they have to encourage others who are going through a really, really difficult time uh, or have been affected and lost family members to this, and they're able to be there to listen, uh, to encourage. And I, I just think it's – I want players that want to be a part of things like this. And we talk about appreciating the opportunities, but also appreciate the chance to help others. And that's, that's what it's all about. We're growing, ba- we're growing young men, not just basketball players. Coach, when you talk about growing young men, before we get to Drexel, uh, you had the opportunity to coach at Army. We've talked to Army football coach about Jeff Monken about what a unique opportunity that is for coaches to coach at one of the military academies. What was that experience from for you, and what did you take away from it? Uh, I don't think there's enough time on this show to talk about um, the experience and what we took away from it, but I can talk about a couple things that Coach Munkin, I know, who uh, continues to do a great job there. But to coach at a place where young men have made a big decision that they want to serve our country and, and to go to that school and knowing that's what they're going to do when they graduate. Um, it's a tremendous honor to, to think that they could be um, in a situation after college on the field of battle and they refer back to how they've handled adversity in college and how you encourage them to handle different situations, that that could play a small element to a decision that they could make that could be very crucial to them and and to our country as a whole. So it's an incredibly humbling opportunity that we love that we had, cherished every second of it that we were there. And uh, those those are great young men. So now you're at Drexel with fantastic opportunity here, 26 men's basketball coach last year didn't end the way that you planned for. I'm wondering how you took the situation that occurred and, and dealt with your players. We, we talked to coach Donnie, we talked about having to look seniors in the eye who abruptly played their last game without knowing it, um, how to, to prepare his team coming into this year. What has the situation in the last few months, obviously different than anything anybody's experienced done for you as a coach and how you're going to handle your team. I think that might be the understatement that I've heard. The season didn't end quite how anybody wanted. Right. Um, very true. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot of different things spent on and it's our job as a coaching staff to lead these guys, 
to encourage them, to empower them to use their platform. So we're talking to our guys on a lot of different levels. One, you want to be COVID conscious. You've got to be safe. You've got to wear a mask. You got to wash your hands. You got to do all the protocols so that we can deserve the opportunity to play basketball games this year. And I know the season was announced and the dates are recently out there, but there's still a lot of things that could impact it. And we've got a serious, serious responsibility for our guys to educate them and make them aware of all the potential scenarios that could derail us. So we've got to do a good job with that. But I, I think we would be remiss to not talk about what, what's happened this summer. And, and my fear as a white coach that we talk about the summer and we, we start it with George Floyd and we end it with Jacob Blake. And then we're back in school and class is going and workouts are going. And next thing you know, we're getting towards the start of the season or Thanksgiving and have we done anything? So that's been our challenge to our players to, to now go from a group text message to some action. Our school starts next week. Our guys are back on campus. We're working through the COVID protocols. So we can't get together as a group and talk about social injustice issues or our action plan. So um, we're trying to encourage all of this. You know, we did something last weekend. We met with our guys and had breakfast outside. We had Wawa breakfast outside. <laughs> can't can't be more Philadelphia than that, right? <laughs> and as Very. we sat outside and talked, we, we said, let's just look at, do a quick exercise here. If we add up everybody's Instagram, Twitter, and our social media followership of our coaching staff and players, it's over 57,000 people. That'll fill Wells Fargo three and a half times. And we understand a lot of those are the same people. So let's just conservatively say three times. We want to encourage our guys. That's an impact. If we can decide what area specifically they want to agree and what's on their heart that they want to support, whether it's uh, police reform, voter registration, um, any category, education reform, right? So we're trying to get our guys to understand we've got a platform and we've got to do something with it. It's no good to have a platform if you don't take action. So we've got to decide on what that action is. I want to help our guys make that decision, but I don't want to influence them in the decision. That would be on my, it's on them as young men. What do they want to do? And then our sports information staff, the media contacts in Philadelphia. We did a zoom call with councilman Isaiah Thomas on Saturday our players and for him to educate our team. What are the needs and what are the thoughts and concerns from him from, from the city of Philadelphia? Because our job, we're right here in West Philadelphia. We don't, we want to serve our community and we want our players to be a part of our community and our coaching staff. So that's what we're trying to do guys. You, you asked that question. It's a long answer, but we want Not our guys to continue to be a part and impact others. And it's, it's a great answer. And, you know, we would just offer for our program. I mean, we haven't shied away from those conversations. We think it's important. First of all, we, we like to recognize athletes and programs that use the platforms that they have. But second, we have a platform too. And the more that we can help facilitate those conversations and drive the conversation forward, we think it's really important what you're doing with the team and the players. Well, thank you very much. And when we get to that point, guys, 
and and we're our group is unified on what the you know the the one message or the things we want to drive home we may reach out and call on you guys to help us just like you're helping right now to promote awareness for coaches versus cancer i mean this is an incredible program it's it's got over 5000 coaches that petition across the country it's raised 130 million dollars since 1993 i mean that's it's awesome it's awesome to be a part of and, and you guys help get the message out and coach, with regard to that message, uh, there's an event coming up next Thursday on NBC 10 Philadelphia. Uh, what is that event and, and how can people support the event? Well, it's uh, coaches versus cancer off the court. Usually we do a lot of in-person events, but given what's going on, we can't do that. Right. Um, so next Thursday at 7 p.m., there's going to be a one hour TV special with all the Philadelphia coaches and the impact that American Cancer Society and its mission in Philadelphia has had on, on the battle versus cancer. So we're going to, we're going to come together. We're going to talk. It's going to be a great program. Talk about how we can impact, how we can motivate others to, to continue to join in this fight. And I, I can't say it any better than the former St. Joe coach and Phil Martelli, right? It, it doesn't stop. And neither are going to, neither are, are we, right? We're going to crush cancer and we're going to get as many people as we can to visit phillycvc.org and donate and participate and be a part of this great, great, big, awesome team that has coaches and fans and basketball players of all ages chipping in to crush cancer. It's the oh. ultimate team. Well, Coach, we look forward to doing our part, helping you out. We thank you for the time and welcome you back anytime as this conversation goes forward on Coaches versus Cancer, on social justice, and as you continue to build your program. So thanks so much for the time and for what you're doing. Thanks, guys, so much. Have a great weekend. Continue to uh, use your platform to be impactful. And, and thanks so much for allowing us to talk about uh, Coaches versus Cancer. Again, anyone in, in listening, please go to – phillycvc.org to learn more and donate. And we'll make sure to share that on our social media platforms. Uh, you have a great one, Coach. Thanks, Jeff, guys. Have a great weekend. Jeff, it amazes me when we talk to these coaches. Um, are, are we just lucky with good people and good coaches in this area, or, or how does that work? I think it's something about, I mean, let's, let's face it. I know this is going to sound cheesy, but it is the city of brotherly love. And, and oh, there is God. something, yeah, I know it's cheesy, but there is something to be said about it. And there is, we are lucky that we have had coaches in this area and athletes and ownership and front office people in colleges. It, it's an entire collective of people who seem to care more than just about sports. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that sports is something more than wins and losses. I know people always want to say, well, it's all about the wins and losses. It's not. I mean, yeah, we want to win. We want parades. We want to go down Broad Street all the time. But there is more to it. And the people that we come into contact with and the people we're lucky enough to talk to have done an incredible incredible job and continue to do an incredible job. And and even the people who leave here, I mean, look what, look what Coach Spiker just said. He talked about Phil Martelli. 
Phil Martelli did an incredible job while he was here. He's not here anymore. He's still doing it. And that there's something to be said about people who, even when they leave the sport, even when they leave the area. I mean, remember we talked to Jamie Moyer a couple months ago. Jamie lives out in California now. That doesn't mean he stopped the charitable work that he's doing in this area. No, Chase Utley still has his charitable work in the area. I mean, a lot of these players. Yeah, it, there, there's something to be said, and we should be very proud about, about the athletes that we have had come through this town, not just because of, of who they are as athletes, but who they are as people. Yeah, and it, Coach Spiker seems to be, and, and Coach Donahue, who we talked to last week, and the coaches that we're going to be talking to in the coming weeks as part of this Coaches versus Cancer series, um, are, are the next generation of people that are doing this and leading young men and young women to also be that next generation. The paying it forward hasn't stopped, and I don't think of a role in Philadelphia. And we appreciate the people at Coaches versus Cancer for uh, the help to arrange some of these interviews. Uh, you can find the content of how you can get involved on our social media accounts. Talking more about it next week. Uh, Jeff, it's, it's, it's good when we can use the, the platform that we have for this kind of stuff. Yeah. The American Cancer Society's Coaches versus Cancer Philadelphia program, the top in the country, will air Coaches versus Cancer off the court. An exciting TV special featuring the Philly basketball community and their rich history of support for the American Cancer Society's mission. Expect to see appearances from the Philly coaches, media personalities, and more. Tune in Thursday, September 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBC10 Philadelphia or online at phillycvc.org. That was a good read, Jeff. Thank you. Well done. You nailed it. Okay. Nailed it. In one take, no errors live. That's Make talent. sure you've taped it because I don't think I can do it again. That's talent right there, Jeff. Uh Let's get back to um, coaches that we're not sure about after the coach that we are sure about there. Rumors, uh, well, not rumors. Mike D'Antoni decided that he was out. Uh, he's done with the Rockets after uh, the loss in the playoffs. Oh, darn. I thought you were going to say he was. I, I thought maybe I missed the news where he said he was oh. out as in considering the Sixers because I don't get that even a tiny little bit. Like, I, you know, we talk a lot on this show about how the Sixers brass wants to win the interview. They want to win the press day by bringing in the biggest, sexiest names that they can. And for some reason, they have concluded that D'Antoni is, is that name. And then you got to wonder if they're talking to anybody else in the NBA or have looked at their own roster and go to their own games. That's my question. The roster. Will Joel Embiid make it past the three-point line? Well, no, it would be no. This would be perfect for him. He doesn't have to play defense, and he doesn't, and he can shoot threes all he wants. But what are they going to do? They have nobody on this team that you're going to call a sharpshooter. Tell me where Al Horford fits in a Mike D'Antoni system. He's going to fit at the top of the key where everybody else is. That this makes so little sense. We're talking about a guy who constructed a roster that had nobody over 6'9". They had Robert Covington. Remember him? He was the center on the Rockets this year. Think about that. So that doesn't jive with our Monstars lineup? No, none of this makes sense at all. And by the way, if you can tell me exactly when Mike D'Antoni won an an NBA championship, I'd like to know. I'm just wondering... his record in the playoffs is below 500 with over 100 playoff games. 
I'm so just wondering. What, did you, what are you bringing him here for? If, the, if is, this is serious. When is the front office reevaluation happening? If we're already hiring a coach. I don't understand what's going on here, Jeff. Look, I, I asked somebody with some inside knowledge, the question of what, what exactly do they see in him? And the one word answer I got back was analytics. And my response to that was the only analytic I care about with D'Antonio is wins, losses. That's it. Yes, he's a good coach. He is not equipped to handle this team. Anybody who thinks that somehow he's got this brilliant mind where he's going to change his entire thinking, his entire career has been built on this, this particular brand of team. No defense, all offense, shooting lots of threes. I Lou. I thought Ty Lu was their guy a week ago. What is going on here, Jack? I, I, I don't know why that hasn't been done. Ty Lu is, unless they're going to find the next Eric Spolstra. Which it doesn't look like they're looking for. They're not. No, be, no because, because that's not going to win the press conference. Yeah, no, they're, they're not sexy. You don't win the headline with exactly. an assistant so, coach from the Denver Nuggets in Wes Unsell Jr., who will probably end up being the Chicago Bulls head coach and will not even get a conversation here. And that's the thing that I don't get. Even if you don't want to hire a younger guy, a guy who isn't established, or a woman, Becky Hammond, on the Spurs bench, wouldn't mm-hmm. you want to talk to them? Wouldn't you want to get all the information you could from these people about how they're patient? Any who, of them. Who's going to have the conversation? Well, we that, don't know how the front office is going to be. Apparently, it's Elton, Josh Harris, and whoever. Wait, didn't Elton say that that didn't work? I can't imagine that Josh Harris is not involved in the conversation. You know the inner workings of this organization better than I do. Is it realistic to think that what Elton Brand said, that he's going to take control and it won't be a team decision, is actually going to happen? Because in my opinion, if Elton that fantasy were the case, Elton, wouldn't be in, Elton Brand wouldn't be in that position, they'd find he, somebody to put there. He, here's how, you know, we, we, I remember when Jeff Lurie came to town, everybody was worried because he played fantasy football. And he, whether he was going to be a fantasy football owner, he's turned out to be a great owner. And he's been, you know, when we talk about citizenship, he's been a great citizen. When it comes to this group, they are fantasy basketball owners. This is all about getting the biggest names that you can. And now they're going to go out and they're looking at Mike D'Antoni. Ty Lu of all of the options, if they're not going to dig deep, is the best option, especially if, remember, Ty Lu said if he's coming, he wants to bring Chauncey Phillips in. And Chauncey Phillips is a great basketball mind. And if you can get those two together, then I think that you have a, the beginnings of a great coaching staff that's also going to hold these players accountable. Now, There's granted, they, they were not NBA superstars. Chauncey Phillips was a really good player in his time. And, and Ty Lue, obvi- you know, anybody who sits there and says, well, he had LeBron, anybody can do it. Um, prior coaches in Cleveland didn't win with LeBron and it, and there is something to be said with managing personalities. It's an important part of the NBA game. And what we know was Brett didn't manage the personalities as I, I have no doubt that he is a good coach, but coaching is more than just writing something on a board and telling people to go out and implement it. And we don't have that. And I don't, I don't, the, the longer this goes on, the longer you're going, the worse it's going to be for candidates where they're going to sit there and go, wow, if it's taking them this long to do this, I don't know if I want to be part of this. This may not be some place that's going to be stable long term. 
haven't they had that question about front office people in the past? They've had the coach stability. Yes. Yeah, the, that's exactly it. You, you, sure you hit it right on the head. So what, what are they going to do? You have to be decisive. They're not. <laughs> let's leave it there. Michael Collins will join us in a few minutes. Wait, so who you got? So, so do you think Denver, I think that Miami is going to win. They, they haven't. I think Miami's going to win. We didn't even talk about it. It seems like Boston imploded in their locker room last night. With- yeah, Marcus Smart apparently left in a huff after saying some things we're, we're not allowed to say yeah, on the air. Brown so. Getting in each other's faces, had to be separated. Look, that happens. That was a bad loss. They were up double digits twice in that game. Yeah, but, but can game. Denver – so you have you have a bunch of teams that have won a lot of championships. I mean, Miami's only won, what, three or four but between the Celtics and, and the Lakers, and you have a team in the Denver Nuggets that I don't think have ever been to the championships. So, so here's what I'll say. I believe that Jokic is actually different than what everybody predicted going into this. He's what do you mean? A, it, the shape that he came in and the ability that he has. Well, he's shaped play. different than he's played the last few years. Yeah. And his play is different because of it. And I think that that combined with the experience that Jamal Murray is getting mm-hmm. has really helped this young team grow. Now, do I think that they're going to beat the Lakers? I'm not 100% sure, but look, the Lakers aren't this powerhouse team. They've got two stars and a bunch of role players. That's two pretty good stars, though. You have you have arguably one of the top five players in the game. I'm and not, you have. I'm not discounting it. I'm right. just saying they're not the dominant, you can't question their lineup team playing the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Lakers are favored going in, but you want to talk about who's sharp with momentum. It's got to be with Denver right now. They've been playing. They've been playing well, but they're probably tired. Is is there a a player as good as Jokic who seems either more people seem either ambivalent about or just somehow aren't impressed with his game? You think it's because he, he plays in Denver? I don't know. If he played on the East Coast or if he played in LA or or someplace like that, would he get more attention? I often wonder that where teams that you know, play late in the mountain time zone. Yeah. Jazz end up with great players that you never hear about unless mm-hmm. it's on a highlight. The Nuggets end up with great players that you just don't hear about unless you're a basketball fan that you're looking for. So I wonder if that's part of them not really getting the attention and respect they deserve. But look, I mean, everybody we talk to, you look at all the picks, the Clippers were the sexy pick. Do you enjoy Magic Johnson going out there trash talking and saying it'll always be a Lakers town, LA? Yeah, it, look, it's right. It's if you're a Clippers fan, I, I can't name a Clippers fan. I think Billy Crystal was the only famous person who was a, a Clippers fan. It's rough. And after this season, when they really thought that they were going to win it, it's really rough. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of issues in that bubble, and I don't know how they're going to fix them now because they kind of have a tough roster that they're going to have to change too. So who do you think ends up in the finals? You think you think Miami gets there? Who do you think? I think it's I think it's Lakers Miami and it, and that to me would be an interesting final be if for no other reason is then you're going to see how does Eric Spolstra devise a defense to stop LeBron when he knows more about LeBron than most people. I think that's, that's going really to be an interesting right. chess game if that's the final that happens. That's a really good point right there. Is there anybody that knows LeBron James in the playoffs right now as well as Eric Spolstra if they get yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that Michael Collins could talk basketball if we wanted him to. Uh, Michael Collins, ESPN senior golf analyst, huge Eagles fan. Those were the two things we brought you on to talk about. But you know, if you want to talk basketball, whatever you want, the floor is yours, sir. 
Well, uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Y'all know I'm a big Sixers fan, but I also got some buddies that play in the NBA for some other teams and have been to a couple Miami Heat game. And so, yeah, I'm really rooting for the Miami Heat right now. You know, as a Sixers fan, what's better than seeing Boston having some issues with their team and infighting? Like, that's one of the greatest feelings in the world. And even though I'm rooting against the Lakers, I don't think they can be beat in a seven-game series to make it to the finals. So, man, All right, I agree so with I, you that if there's one guy who is going to know something, it would definitely be Eric Spolstra, but he ain't playing. <laughs> so as a Sixers fan, and for people who don't know, Michael is, is uh, born and bred in this area. Um, as a Sixers fan, how frustrating has it been for you? Because it has been for me to watch the Miami-Boston series, knowing full well you had Tatum if you wanted him, and you had Jimmy Butler. I don't look at it like that, though. That's the thing. (laughs) Jeff does. He can't look past it. (laughs) I I was ready to cry just watching it. Nah, because here's the the thing. Like, we have Marquez Fultz, right? And... Let's say Marquez, let's say Fultz starts with a different team and doesn't come to the Sixers. Does the same thing happen to him? I don't mean, know. you have to think about it like almost like the butterfly effect, right? Like when a player comes to a team, you can't just assume that that player is going to be the, the player that you're watching at the time because so many other factors are there. No, I, I so hear you. When I, when I look at Tatum, it's like. I look at Tatum, it's like Tatum comes to the – let's say the 76ers take him instead. It, does he become the Tatum that we're watching now? No. It's, no, because he doesn't have the same things happen to him and the same things not around him. So it's great that he's become the player that he's become. Would he have become that player if he would have been picked by the Sixers? Nah. All right, I'm going to stick to Philly sports before we get to golf. Uh, did you break anything watching the Eagles game on Sunday? <laughs> You, you here's the truth. The truth is, at the end of the third quarter, I turned the TV off and just took my new puppy for a walk because I knew what was coming. That was a smart move. You can, I you can see the TV it. Off. Yeah, I tortured yeah, my you, girl with it. Poor kid. I even have a couple of those foam bricks <laughs> that you can throw at the TV, but it's okay because they're foam. But I would get so mad watching the Eagles right now that I would actually have gone outside and got a real brick. So it's like I'm not even going to pick up the phone one because I'm just so frustrated in watching how that second half went down. Well, actually, I have a concern now. You said that you have a new puppy. So was this your new puppy's first experience with watching an Eagles game? Break him in right. See, and Nah, this is the other thing, too. It's my puppy. It's a pit. So as a guy who did stand-up comedy for 20 years, I'm also a big fan of Bill Burr. And I heard Bill Burr's bit about him not realizing that the, you project onto the dog 
even though you don't think the dog's paying attention. So if you're sitting there getting all jacked up, cursing at the TV, then you take the dog out for a walk, and the dog's like, is that the dude that made the bad call? I'm going to fight him in a box. So I'm watching the game, and I'm trying to stay chill as I'm getting frustrated. So when I feel myself boiling, then it's like, you know what, I'm going to turn this off. Come on, let's go play. Because <laughs> I don't think if – little coconut right now she's only 10 weeks old but when she's 10 months old and looks like a full-grown pit i don't think the excuse oh it's not the dog's fault i was screaming at the tv watching basketball and you look kind of like the ref is going to work as an excuse all right so you you turned the game off at the third quarter I did not. Did you see anything positive out of that game? Do you are, are you thinking that the Eagles can turn it around? If you were Doug Peterson, what would you do? If I'm Doug Peterson, I showed him the first quarter and a half. And then, you know, as much as I love coach, I wasn't crazy about the play calling in the second half either. But it certainly looked like our team definitely could have used a, at least one preseason game so that the coaching staff would have realized that we were, we might run out of gas because we looked like our team had no energy. The Eagles had zero energy left in that fourth quarter. You know, for me as a guy in golf, it's like, when your player on Sunday on the back nine has no legs left, and he can't swing like he normally does. So you got to figure out a way to get him to the house as quick as possible with doing the least amount of damage to y'all's paychecks. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so make sure the that Eagles, they don't, it's like, you know, Eagles is turnovers. Maybe sometimes it's smart not to go for it on fourth down and put your defense in a, in a position that they don't necessarily need to be in. Where if you pin a team deep, instead of giving them the ball, inside you know the 40 yard line somewhere on either side of the 50 like don't give them a short field even though in the past you'd be like we're going to go for it on fourth down and four sometimes now early in the season that ain't the smartest move maybe it's better to throw the ball away and play for another play <laughs> not hold on and take the hit yeah well, just hold on to the ball don't <laughs> yeah well this week it may be a little hard broken yeah, and it may be a little hard with Aaron Donald. So let's let's not even talk about this week's game. We'll bring you back when it when it when things turn around. Let's talk a little golf. Let me see. I I hope next week against the the best thing to do against Aaron Donald since we have guys with some speed now. Three step slants. Yes. You throw enough of those three step slants, and then stick with the running game. So that the play action pass really works. Like don't do two runs in 13 plays. Like you really got to run it and throw some slants and keep them on their heels. That's how you beat Aaron Donald. All right. Well, your check will be in the Jeffrey Lurie's going to put your check in the mail. If that works. ESPN's gonna I was hanging out with a good friend of his in Atlanta. <laughs> Did you give him the tip? <laughs> well, Mr. Blank, see, Mr. Blank is a Arthur Blank is a member at at uh, East Lake Golf Club, where the Tour Championship was, 
And so when I met him, the commissioner of the PGA Tour introduced me to him and, and I showed Mr. Blank my Eagles tattoo that Coach Doug Peterson designed. And I was hoping he was going to be all mad and disappointed and take a picture. But it turns out he was like, oh, I'm a good friends with the owner of your ball club and he's such a great guy and that's a great tattoo. And I was like, man, I was kind of hoping you would be all disappointed. But he had nothing but great things to say about Jeffrey Lurie. So now I'm a fan of Arthur Blank, too. Yeah, well, it's Atlanta. They don't care about their sports that much. Let's talk about <laughs> golf. Rumor has it there's a big golf tournament this weekend, even though I, I had tickets but couldn't go. What's going on? What are you seeing from the U.S. Open? Everyone complained on Thursday that the scores were too good. You know, Justin Thomas shoots five under, yes, 66, and it's not right. We see guys going that low, and or 65. It was like the lowest round ever shot at wing foot. 21 guys were under par. Well, guess what? the U.S. Open showed up on Friday. <laughs> right now, as we speak, there are only five guys under par. And what one happened? of those guys, Bryson DeChambeau, who was through, well, the wind came out of a different direction, the, which really firmed the golf course up. The humidity is down. So the greens got real firm and the rough is already up. And because of that, with the wind coming out of a different direction, if you're making any mistake on this golf course, it's going to absolutely just brutalize you. Now, the first round, too, the USGA couldn't get crazy because there's 144 guys in the field. And if you remember, we normally play this major championship in June. So the, they got till 830 with daylight. Well, it's September. Sun goes down at 625. So daylight's a problem. So the USGA couldn't get crazy with this golf course on Thursday. And even though the golf course played much easier than I'm sure they wanted it to, they still didn't finish. There was still a couple groups that had to come back and play. Well, because now the cut is today and it's top 60 in all ties, the USGA is like, you know what? Forget it. We'll let Wingfoot be Wingfoot today. Mother Nature is going to help us. And if they don't finish, oh, well. We got plenty of time tomorrow because it's only, what, I mean, 70 guys at the most. So they'll have plenty of time for daylight playing in twosomes. A couple of big names didn't go low yesterday. Dustin Johnson shot a 73. Bill Mickelson hit just two fairways. It was his highest score in 29 open appearances. And then you got Tiger, who, although he made five birdies, was still a plus three. Uh, anything surprise you from any of those names? I, I saw you were pretty blunt about your prediction of Tiger before this tournament started. Yeah, no, I'm, and he is not having a great day again today. Last time I looked before we jumped on the phone, he was at plus eight. Uh, and he was coming off making his second double of the tournament on the 18th hole. That'll miss the so, cut, right? Yeah, it looks like it right now. He, the Like I said, that cut is, is top 60 in ties. And right now, plus six is in 61st place but they're projecting the cut to go to plus seven. So Tiger is at plus eight and still has eight more holes to play. Yeah. And it doesn't and look like this he's is going one of those golf course where you're going to just make like four or five birdies in a row and everything's good. Now this course doesn't give you that. 
You know, we, we've been talking, Michael, we've been talking about Tiger a lot the last few weeks, especially with, with everything that's going on with athletes using their platform. Uh, one of the things, if you remember back, back in the day, Earl Woods made a lot of promises about Tiger, about saying that Tiger was going to basically transcend the game as a humanitarian, that he was, quote, going to do more than any other man in history to change the course of humanity. We all don't want to be burdened by by the expectations of our parent, but it, do you get a sense that Tiger is using his platform in this time that so many athletes are using it for good and for positive change? That Tiger's doing the same thing. Well, how many other athletes have the learning center that Tiger has? It's not like. It's a hard thing, man. It's not, you just said it. Like you don't want to put the burden of your parents on you. Right. But right. it's not like Tiger hasn't done anything, but people are saying like, they expect Tiger Woods to come out and be Jim Brown. That's when, when was Tiger ever like that ever? So why would people expect that out of him now? I think so mainly because, it's, it's mainly because, because people have this expectation that everybody is going to react the same to situations. And, and, and it's why I think it's important that you brought that out. I mean, people don't realize that the things that Tiger is doing behind the scenes and, and, and you see things like that. But a lot of people don't know these things because Tiger is not very vocal about them. Well, you know what? The, there's two, it's two sides of this coin. Number one. There are the side of the corner of people that don't nothing that Tiger does is going to be good enough. The fact that he has his foundation, the the fact that he he does do the, the Tiger Woods Learning Center and really changes lives of a lot of kids, that's never going to be good enough for some people because he's not standing out there and doing things like NFL and NBA players are doing. The other side of that coin is. Think about where Tiger came from. Tiger didn't come from the hood. So, like I said, when he first came out onto the PGA Tour, he just he told about his experiences that happened on the golf course and in golf. But to think that he's going to be this beacon of light for, like, the NBA players that we see out there marching in protest and NFL players that are doing, you know, some of the things that they're doing, there are people that are thinking – Tiger's going to be that those players and that too isn't a fair expectation to put on somebody who's never been like that Tiger ain't never lived in a neighborhood that stuff's been burned down and he certainly don't live there now so what so what do what does the PGA tour do to uh, create its own message the way that the NBA does. As you pointed out, it, it's not it, the same. People aren't coming from the same circumstances who usually play golf. Golf is something that requires a lot of money, just not just yes. the clubs, but practice and all of that stuff. What what can and the PGA Tour do or what are they? That actually had it on their books for a long time that African-Americans weren't allowed to play. I mean, it's one of the only sports that had it in their rules. So it's 
it's taking golf a while to, to get to where they are. But I can tell you this. The commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, is changing all of that. And the legacy that he's going to leave, what he's doing, working with the the APGA and giving kids who weren't exposed and didn't have the opportunity to play golf and then play golf against other kids at a high level and get to that level is it's happening behind the scenes and it is happening. And the one thing I love about this commissioner too, is he's come to me and said, look, man, hold my feet to the fire. Keep, make, keep me honest on stuff. If there's questions that you have or things that you see that you don't think are right or aren't going in necessarily the, the, the direction that you think is going to be the best for the game and the best to bring, to bring golf to kids who wouldn't have an opportunity otherwise to, to have golf in their lives, let me know. And he means it when he says it as far as having an open-door policy and wanting to know. And that's important. You know, the big thing with golf, if you really want to get golf to kids in the inner city who don't have an opportunity to play golf, you know what it's all about? It's about transportation. And I know that sounds stupid, but it's true. Golf courses typically aren't in the middle of the city. So you got to get kids to the golf course and get them from the golf course. Having a golf program in a middle class to upper middle class neighborhood and give saying, Hey, anyone can come here and play. That's great to say, but if you can't get the kids to the golf course and from the golf course, then it's all for show. And that's well, what I've been screaming for years. And, and it's, it's important that, that everybody be able to use their platform. And, and we appreciate the fact that you are using your platform to create a better group of, of, of people and outcomes with regard to the PGA. But before we let you go, I just want go, people to love the game the way I love the game. Well, before we let you go, there's one other person that you have to keep his feet to the fire. And and last time you were here, we we, we talked about the fact that you had a bet with somebody, or you had a, a deal with somebody that if the Eagles won the Super Bowl, you were both going to get tattoos. Last time we Kevin checked, Nagani. you got the tattoo. That's right. Have you held his feet to the fire yet? Does Nagandi have a tattoo? Yeah, now? and he still ain't got the tattoo. Oh. Got to work on that. Got to work That's on that. That's what I said. By the time he gets a tattoo, he's going to have to get two trophies on. <laughs> or at least well, I, I'd be okay with he that. Gets, the trophy's going to have to have dust on it or something. But I will give him this. He's the one who brings it up now. I <laughs> kind of, I did, I did the frozen. I just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> but now every time we talk, he's like, man, I'm serious. We got to figure out when I can go get this tattoo. Well, so we video the fact we will, that he stayed uh, on top of it wanted to do it, but don't worry. When it happens, I will be there with him, and then I will be documenting it on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm sure right. we'll probably put it on Sports Center too. We'll have you back on for a report of how that went. Uh, we always have a blast when you come on. Hope that the Eagles give us something better for this week. Hope you get to see some great golf, uh, even if some great golfers struggle. At Wingfoot, uh, thanks so much for the time as always, Michael. Anytime, man. Everyone who was hoping to see absolute devastation at the U.S. Open, I want to see guys get punished. Well, watch the U.S. Open because they're being punished. We will put the U.S. Open back on for everybody after they finish listening to the show. Thanks so much, Michael.
anytime. Thanks, guys. Jeff, uh, <clears throat> I know you're upset because you can't watch them being punished out there. But, uh, you know, he's he talks about something that's really important and you don't think about it. You can't get to a golf course. You can't play golf. You can't right. afford. You know, we always talk about the cost of playing golf. Transportation angle isn't something that's often brought up. It's the membership. It's the tee time. It's the cost of the clubs. It's all, it really is all of it. I mean, golf is probably, I can't think of a sport that requires more of an investment. And look, we, we had a woman on who overcame all of that in Pratima Sherpa, who's lived in a shed with no running water and her father whittled her a set of golf clubs in Nepal and somehow she's made it over here. That story and still it, amazes me. It, 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 it's still the one of the most amazing sports stories I've ever heard. And, and interviewing her and spending time with her has been amazing. But uh, with regard to what goes on in the United States, there is a lack of access to golf courses. And there's a lack of access because of, of where golf courses are and the finances of golf courses. And it's, it's something that it, if Tiger Woods is working on this with his foundation, you just wish more people knew about it. You know, it, it I, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'll play devil myself devil. of it because I was critical of him too. And, I'll play and I'm glad Michael was on to talk about that. If he goes out there and talks about all those things that he does and mm-hmm. people will rip him for, for bragging about it for the headlines. Yes. So an athlete is really in a no win situation in that situation. I feel like because yeah, but that's what that's why it's important for like reporting still matters, and, and while you know having somebody like Michael Collins out there to talk about what goes on not just on the golf course because he is a great golf commentator um, and an entertaining golf commentator, but he is doing more than that. He's getting the word out there, and as he said, he's talking to the commissioner of the PGA. And, and holding his feet to the fire and, and creating change. And, you know, we had a coach on at the beginning of the show talking about how he can make society better and how, how he can give back. You just, I'm sure we didn't really expect this, but Michael Collins is doing it just in a different way. Yeah. It, like, it's just, <clears throat> it's amazing how people, we all can give back. We all can do more. I'm going to leave that conversation there, Jeff. We've got like, Five minutes left, not even that, four minutes. This happens. You want to talk time. Phillies. We have so much things, so many College things. Football. Through, what do you want to talk about? Stuff. What do you want to get to? The Big Ten's coming back. I know you've got mixed feelings. I really don't want to go there, though, because I want to talk about the Phillies debacle. Go for it. <laughs> they may still make the playoffs, but they lost, uh, what, 10 of their last 15 games? I mean, can I just hit rewind from any other week? I mean, can, yes. like, wh- like, why are we actually wasting o- uh, oxygen doing this? Do you know that they're on pace to finish the season with a 7.17 ERA out of the bullpen? Well, but the, st- the starters, you you now have a situation where Arietta's is out for at least the rest of the regular season. And who knows what will happen if they make the playoffs. Yeah, they were struggling before injuries. Let me just go through the, right. the last couple days. Spencer Howard on the 10-day aisle with shoulder stiffness. Reese Hoskins with a UCL injury may have to have surgery. And by, and by the way, Spencer Howard's done. Yes. Uh, I'm not I'm not reporting it, but if he had a shoulder issue and this is your top pitching prospect and he had shoulder soreness last year there there I would be, would you be shocked if, if he comes back? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're going to rest. I him. think he's done. I think Hoskins right. is done. 
Um, but there's nothing confirmed on that. Real Muto, they hope to have back this weekend with a sore hip. Looks like he'll be out all weekend. Kyle Garlic got an MRI on his oblique. Gene Segura got drilled with a 98-mile fastball on his elbow last night by Yaris Familia. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. He's out tonight. Arietta's probably gone for at least the regular season with his hamstring. Uh, and then a couple guys return. Mickey Moniak gets called up. Jeff, uh, you nobody saw, saw that coming. That 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 tells you. And how- not just called up for the bench. He started start. last night, and he's starting again this afternoon in the game that's going on, the first game of the doubleheader. Right. And, and, and that tells that doesn't say anything about Mickey Moniak necessarily. It says something about the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies are in a supposedly a playoff race. Bringing up a, a rookie at the end of the season isn't something you're doing because he's hitting 400 in the taxi squad league. He, they're doing it because they're running out of options. And that is a bad sign. This is a war of attrition. And you have this situation in a season where, I mean, you've, you've gone through it in past weeks about the number of back-to-back games, the number of doubleheaders, the lack of time off. This is all catching up to the Phillies. It's catching up to a lot of teams, but it's catching up to the Phillies to a point that you can't get excited about what the Phillies can do because once you get to the playoffs, there's no time off there either. And they don't have pitching options. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up a pitching option because one of their pitching. Why are you going to try out? Pitched against them this week. Who they? Oh, here he goes for JT Real Muto, who they still have not re-signed. Who now? Right, for for people that don't know, this is called Sixto time. Here's Sixto update. Mm-hmm. Big game against the Phillies earlier this week. In who was the catcher? In uh oh god, I'm David Green. Or, uh, or, no, or, or Alfaro. No, was it? Or was yeah, it a, up with the Red Sox? Okay, Alfaro, another yeah. Philly. Mm-hmm. All right, they could he, use a catcher right now. But in that yeah. game, he threw <laughs> twelve fastballs at ninety-nine miles an hour or more. Do you know yeah. how many the Phillies pitchers, the whole staff, have combined this whole season? None. Six, all by Zach Wheeler. Zach, Zach Wheeler's gotten up to ninety-nine now, huh? He's the only person who okay. has hit all six. Well, yeah, so, but okay. I'm not going to sit left. there and criticize the Phillies because they don't have a guy who throws 99 miles an hour. I'm going to criticize the Phillies because they didn't lock up JT Romuto, and now they've got questions about whether they will because of his hip while Sixto is going and dominating in Florida. Any right. final thoughts, Jeff? John Middleton's got to get this done. This is on him. This is not on Clintac if it doesn't get done. This is on Middleton. He wanted the credit when he signed Bryce Harper and everybody else. He's going to have to take the blame if Romuto walks. He's definitely going to. Uh, Jeff, any last words before we leave everybody for the week? You didn't even ask me whether or not I watched Thursday Night Football, but the answer still is no. You missed out. The Browns actually played well. It's the Browns. It is. The Browns and the Bengals. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.